We are back inside the three this week. Jake, JT, Mark joining you from our respective areas. J, uh, JT and Mark obviously coming to us from the depths of their home at Keystone College by myself. I'm coming from my own home. That is somewhere across the state, and we couldn't be more thrilled to bring you yet another week of fun NFL exciting action. And this week we got a bit of an extra twist on our show because we are not only in a league together, we had our fantasy football draft the other day. And, you know, for me, I mean, you guys have done this draft for a few years now. I was, you know, this is my first year with you guys and lots of interesting stuff that I took away from it. Obviously the punter and head coaching position that we utilize is probably my favorite uh, add into our, into our uh, fantasy league. Uh, But I, I think that we drafted pretty, pretty solid teams uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit, then we'll preview some of the upcoming games as week one is just around the corner. And I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't be more thrilled about that. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, Ian, I'm pretty happy with the way my team went. I mean, Ian, I'm teaming up with my brother for the first time in about God knows how long. I think it's been about like three years since we've teamed up. So Definitely excited to be teaming up with him, and dude, it, it's a whole new league this year, and honestly, like I said, I'm happy with the way my team turned out. Mark, how are you feeling about yours? I'm totally excited about it. This is a uh, league that I've hosted every year since I've been here at Keystone. I've had rotating people coming in and out this year. I'm going to add Jake. Great to have him on board. Got a few other new names on board uh, this year. Lost a couple as well. Um, really, really an interesting first-round draft. Some things we saw coming, some things we did not, which we'll touch on coming up here. But I'm really super excited for this year and to see what we got for competition. One division looks absolutely stacked. The division looks a little bit on the weaker side, so we'll see what happens here. Yeah, and the, I mean, the competition itself is something when it comes to our league. And I say something with a lot of quotes around it, just because it's there's it can be taken in a lot of ways, honestly, and. I mean, one thing that we look at is the draft strategies. Now, Mark, you might be able to talk about this a little bit. When you got a league with, you know, that goes against the norm with, you know, just a normal standard PPR league, you take it one step further by adding in the head coaching and punting spot. Now, explain or at least talk about that a little bit, why you choose to do that. So I firmly believe when you do fantasy football, you need to create a full team and I want you to roster from top of the field to even off the field and even the et cetera positions. There have been leagues that I've been a part of before where where literally the wide receiver and your offensive people will win you games and they'll run away with it. I want you to consider every single option and opportunity that's out there because literally now you with the kicker, punter, and head coach added in, now you have other ways that you potentially could either come back for win or shoot yourself in the foot as well. The game of football, especially in fantasy, when you add some of these other positions that aren't traditionally added in, really opens it up for everyone in the league, especially if you have players and, and players as a new team uh, members joining into the league or veteran ones that they just can't get healthy players or something like that. You could still come in with a good kicker, punter, and head coach and still give a top of the team in the division, still give them a run every day, every day of the week. So it, it really makes you think, and it makes you think of the whole aspect of the game rather than trying to just focus on the offense. Yeah, it has a certain a certain hidden element to the to the when it, when it comes to drafting because you know, like I said, everybody's so used to that typical PPR drafting. But yeah, you add that extra element, and just looking at our teams, let's go. I'm going to go over. Uh, oh, hold on. Before we do that, we actually got a request from Earl. Earl, let me bring you up here. Uh, had your invite. Oh, here we go. There you go. Hey, Earl, what's going on? Um, I'm good, fellas. How are y'all? Are y'all actually excited about this actual football season as we speak? Oh, absolutely. Because I end up have some questions that I end up wanting to end up ask y'all, and I understand this is a fantasy football draft recap That's on everything else, everything else. And I know most of y'all mostly don't know me, in all fairness. <laughs> everybody knows that the whole actual NFL this season is actually brand new to everybody in the whole atmosphere, which in this will be the first time we end up have a almost, I would say, 17-game season, which nobody didn't even expect this on all aspects of any levels and everything else. 
can y'all end up demonstrate how y'all break down this whole fantasy football draft recap so that way I can have some kind of understanding into it so I can know in the near future I can end up do this and regenerate this way and that way. So if I understand correctly, you want us to sort of break down how to draft going forward at the 17-game schedule is carried on throughout future years. Exactly. Well, really, me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sole believer in stacking up on running backs, no matter how deep they can go. Um, Wideouts, there's a big pull of them, at least this year, a bit of a surplus. So I'd say maybe uh, if you're thinking about drafting in the next few days prior to Thursday, uh, definitely stock up on running backs. And take it, take note of who all people are saying you know could break out, or and definitely get some handcuffs in there, especially uh, like the Colts example, Jonathan Taylor. I always go with Naeem Hines and possibly a few people for him at least to handcuff, you know, just so that way you have that extra security blanket. Um, I know Mark has a little bit. Mark and JT, uh, who are on the other side, have a little bit more uh, insight on how they draft and how they strategize because they've been doing this for years now. So I'll hand it over to them guys. What? Yeah. So for me, it honestly, it, it, it varies with me because the first like five, when you're pre-drafting and everything like that, that's the first thing you want to do. You want to go into it. The first round you want to have your strategy. That was the first thing uh, me and my brother had, have both discussed. We had a plan, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E. You want to get all those plans and you want to get everything in set for yourself. And you also kind of want to like make sure like when you're looking at your defenses and everything, because defense wind up uh, being one of your toughest things. And you got to turn around. You got to think of who could potentially be those most underrated defenses. Because right now, a lot of people, they're passing up. A lot of people have been taking, for example, the Broncos defense. They're going to be a fantastic defense this season. And uh-huh. I want to point that out. Uh, simply because of the fact that uh, you got Patrick Sertain, who's going to be starting at cornerback, at who, in my opinion, is going to be an absolute animal. Well, you got a healthy Von Miller, or and a full defensive front that honestly is going to be something to reckon with. Is the offense going to be there? Absolutely not. But the big thing about that is you get your defensive points where it counts, uh, it's because a lot of leagues they won't really pay attention to how uh, what's called how much of a point differential will you get. Yes, you'll have the points allowed, but at the same time, if you get someone like the Broncos who can hold their team to under 25 points a game, that's huge. And then for me, for me, there are four core running backs that I think everybody can agree that will nine times out of 10 will be gone within the first six picks at CMC, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Look, if you got to pick one through six, definitely have one of those guys on your radar. And, Jake, you were talking about wide receivers. Personally, one guy you definitely want to have on your list, say, for example, everybody else goes. I know a lot of people would say go Saquon. He's going to have a breakout year. But I would definitely look at Devontae Adams simply because of the fact that the man is going to be a cornerstone for Green Bay over the next couple of years. And he's probably one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the league. So your big thing is kind of just assessing what the situation is and going with the flow. There will be times where people drop to you and just kind of override the field and everything like that and just see what's going on. Get a feel for everything and go in with a plan. It's an underrated strategy, but at the same time, the more of a plan you get, the better. If I can add to that, I also think that with this 17-week schedule, this newly implemented thing, I also think that this is sort of a good time to maybe take risks when you're in the late rounds, uh, especially if you're in that that 12 team league uh, area, if that will, that you will, because out of the six leagues I'm in, three of them are 12 teams, and drafting has been sort of difficult going forward, uh, especially in that 14 to or, yeah 14 to 16 round. Uh, that's just using that as an average. Uh, one one bet I like to put on is. I think I think you say Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. 
Look, we all know the Lions aren't that good of a team. But at the same time, if you're trying to take risks and if you're in that 12-team range, possibly even 10, and you're looking for a bench, you know, a good good depth in your bench when it comes to wide receivers, you can take a risk on somebody like that because I feel like it, the, the reward is greater than the risk that you take, especially with the 17-week season because you've got to account for injuries too. There are players that are not used to this sort of environment, obviously all of them. Um, but with that being said, Take some risks. I, I know that sounds really bad, but at the same time, in a 17-week schedule, you got to plan ahead for injuries. you got to plan for that depth. you got to make sure that, you got, that you're covered on your bench. And, and I think rookies and younger players can really help out with that just because they're so fresh, they're so new. You can take a bit of a gamble on that and add them in late rounds. Um, Mark, did you have anything to add when it comes to you know this new format and strategizing? Oh, just to throw out some bases, and Earl, thanks for the question. Appreciate you tuning in, and great question. So just to give you guys some background on it, this is a, a uh, 12-player league. It was a snake draft, and you had a total of 15 picks. You're going to have 10 starters. You're going to have a quarterback, a running back, a running back wide receiver option, a wide receiver tight end option, a tight end, a flex slot, defense, special team, kicker, punter, and head coach. You have five on your bench, and you have two IR slots. So what I was really interested yesterday, I drafted 12. And then the snake draft, and then I picked it up with 13. So running backs is always heavy, like everyone says. Now, yesterday we had a terrible, interesting draft where somebody took Tom Brady in the first round, which was absolutely a <laughs> terrible move, which we'll break down later on. But it, for me, when I went and I was looking at my draft board early on, trying to figure out who exactly I wanted, for me, I went after running back, but I went after running back that was not considered one of the top four traditional. I went with Aaron Jones. He's a consistent back out of Green Bay. He's in that system there. He knows Aaron Rodgers. And when that offense is running, whether he's catching balls out of the backfield or whether he's actually receiving and taking off running, that is a reliable back getting you constant points. Just because a, a wide receiver or a back is not either in the top five or whatever category that you're looking for, it does not mean that they're not quality out there. Aaron Jones is great to that point. We had Jake talking about to, to depth and wide receiver positions earlier. Take, for example, Donovan Peoples-Jones for the Cleveland Browns, going to be a wide receiver three this year. Had a great showing last year, the former Michigan Wolverine out there. That was a huge steal when they got him in the draft. To have him there on depth, Pat Farmuth, tight end for Pittsburgh, is going to be another great depth pick that you can pick up later in the rounds. There is so much potential. Don't be afraid to go and draft. Don't be necessarily afraid to do something outside the box either. But here's the thing. You always have to remember, when the drafting is done, go ahead and check the free agency wire and see who's available. Because nine times out of ten, there will always be something in the free agency wire that somebody will miss that you can capitalize on. Two years ago, Deshaun Watson came in. Nobody drafted him. I picked him up in the free agency wire, had him until he got hurt, and he was bringing me in bank for points. Always check that free agency wire, see who's available out there after the draft, because there will be nine times out of ten somebody who's missed, and everybody's like, holy smokes, how do we miss him? Do we cover all your points there, or you got anything more for us there, brother? Okay, I have. Okay, I think I end up starting to get to the certainty point of what's really going on in the matter of the situation, Jake and JT. The simple facts of those – with those – in. But the situation of those draft picks, if you if I may end up say, both of y'all points are what y'all saying. Y'all hit everything to the T. And I get to the understanding of it. My only issue is when somebody onto that team that you end up draft, we don't know what's the certainty point. It's either rather they end up give you the actual points that you can optimize to the situation of it, or they're gonna really gonna put you down to the certainty point of what's really going on with this person. Why is he not making this much as a value fantasy points to this and that and the third, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to all aspects of the levels of the game right then and there. And what the thing is, is that if I reflect to the situation of that term, what can this player end up actually do? Like saying for standards, I got to throw quarterbacks in this whole situation if you end up asking me. I have to determine what the Tom Brady can end up give me, what Jameis Winston can end up actually can give me, what Josh Allen can give me, what Patrick Holmes III can end up give me and everything else. 
which is, I'm not saying don't stock up on actual wide receivers and everything else because I know wide receivers could be valuable too. But you also end up have to look at it from the quarterback's perspective and too, which I know there's a certainty point. You're not going to have that many veteran quarterbacks left. I'm pretty sure between Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Ben Roethlisberger, I think in myself, I think Ben Roethlisberger is at his last legs of his NFL career, if you may end up asking me before Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, which and I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers is at the end of his career in Green Bay because what's going on with him and the general manager is him and the general manager, which and that shouldn't have nothing to end up to affect your teammates and everything else. But like everybody in the sand, after Aaron Rodgers is initially gone, who, who's, Aaron, who's Green Bay is going to turn to? I understand Jordan Love is going to be ready, but I'm thinking Jordan Love and needs more time to end up develop behind this man. But despite right. this is only going to be his final year with him to the develop all that, because once Aaron Rodgers is gone after 17 years with the same team, because I did my history, and I know y'all did too, that between Brett Farr, the legendary Hall of Famer Brett Star, Bart Starr, certain quarterbacks has never ended up with the same team over 17 years, which Aaron Rodgers just broke that drop. Because if Aaron Rodgers, and I'm going to say it like this here, if Aaron Rodgers don't initially don't win the Super Bowl this year, I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers, and I hate that I'm going to step on people's toes, but the, the reality of the situation is going to have to come out that I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers might end up retire. I don't think no other team might not ever pick him up. I will say if somebody else would have did pick him up, possible it would have been either the Denver Broncos or it could have been the Oakland Raiders or anybody else who initially would need a quarterback on hand here. But it's like nobody don't, nobody don't see that. I know y'all do. It's other people that end up has to elaborate the whole situation and all that. It's all about the originality of the game there. Nobody else don't see that. That's what the whole thing that end up messes it up right then and there. I'm very much excited about the whole football season and everything, y'all. I'm pretty much end up excited about the whole Tampa Bay get between Dallas and Tampa Bay's game right then and there. But I also wanted to ask you this, Jake and JT. What Zach Martin is out due to the COVID reserve injury list, what do the Cowboys end up initially need to do in order to come in for the upset to take out the defending Super Bowl champs? I'll let you talk about one first. So if I understand correctly, Zach Martin, he's a lineman? He's actually an offensive guard right then and there. Without your offensive guard in this situation, it's like Dak Prescott is going to have to create some miraculous things to end up to get the ball out of his hand. Because if you end up allow him to hold the ball on too long, Tampa Bay's defense is end up going to automatically go rush him into the rush him into the pressure, and it's going to force him to cause turnovers. Because what most people don't feel to realize was Tampa end up had the number one defense in creating turnovers, taking takeaways, and all that. That's what made Tampa this all this good as a team. So that's my typical concern and everything else in that. Do you have a response to this, Jake, if I may ask? Yeah, I'm, I think the absence of Martin's definitely going to play a factor. But at the same time, I think the Cowboys have a lot more on their plate when it comes to trying to overcome the Buccaneers. Uh, it's hard to say because, I mean, obviously Prescott's coming off an injury. Zeke's coming off an underachieving year. And, obvi- and with the loss of Martin, it now creates more of a, a puzzle, if you will, for Prescott. Because he's not going to feel as comfortable in the pocket. And with Tampa Bay, like you said, their defense, they made a lot of additions and they pretty much got stronger. They kept adding to what they already had. Therefore, it really presents a problem to the Cowboys. They're a little bit on, they've lost a bit of rung or a few rungs, that is, whereas Tampa Bay is pretty much at full strength. Uh, It's what do they need to do in order to win against the Buccaneers? 
really what they need to do is shake the dust off last year. And that's for everybody. And they need to just, they, they, I know it's unsimple enough, but they need to rebound without the loss of Zach Martin. I, I mean, Dak Prescott can't play like he's just coming off an injury. He's got to play like he's coming off an MVP caliber season. Again, easier said than done. But at the same time, when you're going up, it's always a daunting task going up against the defending Super Bowl champs. But if, if, if they are serious about winning and they want to make a statement, they got to clear, they got to shake their heads and just play gritty football. Prescott needs to get back to the year before last. So that, because that mentality he was producing in 2019, 2020 out with an injury. And even, even before then, he was still somewhat producing. Zeke last year, I think that was a bit of a rusty year. I think if he if he wants to make a statement, he's going to bounce back in week one against hold, the hold, 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 hold right there on that one, Jake. Hold up. Hold up. This is why I might have – this is why I'm going to stop you at right there. This is where the stop sign comes in. And I didn't mean to throw you off on that part. When you end up mentioning the word Ezekiel Elliott, a guy – that was supposed to be the next leader to Dak Prescott. Because last time, if I remember this, this guy normally stole $100 million, which is $50 million guaranteed, from Jerry Jones. For what reason? They can all because he ended up produce not even too many over 1,000-yard seasons. Which he ain't started producing a thousand yard season. When was the last time end up Ezekiel Elliott end up initially initially end up accounted for a thousand yard season? That was back when he was a rookie, him and Dak Prescott. And then on top of all that, because if I remember this, Dallas end up went on that time. They went thirteen and three to end up to win the NFC lease, which and I'm still gonna call it the NFC lease until mm-hmm. because last time I checked, when was the last time a team in the NFC lease? Ever end up one of the division and end up had an actual repeat. The cycle still end up continues to go down that trend right then and there. Because if I remember this, every time this is a fight, one minute is Dallas, one minute is Philadelphia, one minute is the New York Giants, then the next thing you know is the Washington football team before they lost the Washington Redskins. Now this football team doesn't even have a football last name in the world. You allow the Washington football team to end up come out the whole ordinary and let them win the division that almost had a chance to end up to upset Tom Brady in a wild card game by a quarterback named Tyler Hawkinson, Hawkinson, Hawkins, or whatever his last name is, and everything else that almost put the Buccaneers on an upset alert. Almost. And I give them gratitude for it. I couldn't even let Dallas end up walk on eggshells or be walking on a horseshoe. For them to end up to be initially become, become America's team? Oh, no. I'm sorry, Jake. I, I, that's the part why I step on certain people's toes again right <laughs> in and there. Most people step on my face's toes in a lot of doggone ways. People end up still going to run me down all because of what I say. Only time I give the Dallas Cowboys any kind of credit when they stop and beat the Atlanta Falcons. I give them credit for it. But nobody don't want to hear that from me. Because when I say those typical terms, every time if a Cowboy loses a game, where are they? You're supposed to stick with your team with pride and dignity. If I could, st- if any team can, and if any person and I can stick with their favorite football team that they grew up with most of their lives, just like if I stick with my Saints for most of the majority of the time, I would rather bet on my dog on pride before I let before anything comes out my pockets for any dog on thing else. Because how many times, Jake, JT, how many times have y'all ended up heard the Dallas Cowboys and say this was our year to win the Super Bowl? I didn't heard year. this. Every single year, constant motions after motions after motions. <laughs> I kept hearing this. Just like the time I told everybody that Jason Garrett needed to go after the 2012 year. What did Jerry do? Jerry kept paying him after years, after years, after years. And if you end up asking me this again right now, Jake. If Dallas don't initially don't end up make the playoffs or don't get out the first round, 
Mike McCartney is gone. Oh, yeah. I know Without he wasn't gone the first time, but I'm sorry. He's he going to be gone after, again. Because what was the last time the Dallas Cowboys ever got out of the first round? Give me a year. I will sit there and wait. I'll wait. I I'll wait for it. You're going to be waiting a long Please time. Please tell me what was the last time they got out. <laughs> You're going to be waiting an awful long time. Uh, often long time. Won't know when the last time the Dallas Cowboys ended up won their last Super Bowl championship? 1996. Actually, 1995. You was, was a year off right there, JT. That was since 1995 since they won their last Super Bowl championship. They ain't been back since 95. They ain't been back since 95. That shows you how bad it is. It's been over then near over three decades and still counting. I don't know who's worse, either the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Knicks. Oh, I had a buddy in college who was a Knicks fan, and I felt sorry for oh. him every single year. <laughs> oh. oh, my. You know what? This is why I can't bash the New York Knicks at. Because I know the New York <laughs> Knicks was really was good. They were pretty good this year. They was pretty good this, this past season. It was pretty good. They really forced the um, they really kind of did force the uh, Atlanta Hawks into a five game series and everything else. I know they did what they supposed to do. I said Julius Irvin needs to get his money from these guys and every doggone thing else, which and I felt that he should have made first team All NBA. I felt that, but he's only worth it to make third team, third All NBA. What? Know what? Only thing I can say is, at some point, at some time, the New York Knicks will still need help. They still like a few more pieces in order for them to contend for a title. Now, for Dallas, on the other hand, if these people, if they said they got all the requisition weapons, Jake, you got the talented receivers of Cooper. Um. Lamb, Gallup. You got Cooper. You got Lamb. You got um Michael Gallup. Gallup, and you got a couple of good, nice young tight ends. If you're so good with this, you're supposed to be contenting with the doggone Buccaneers. Let me let me demonstrate what the Buccaneers have: Brady, Fournette, Brown, Gronkowski. Miller, Evans, Goodwin, O.J. Howard, even an astonishing offensive line along with a hell of a good defensive people. Talking about JPP, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., um, it's a lot that goes on that team. I can't see the Dallas Cowboys end up trying to take down the defending Super Bowl champs. The defending Super Bowl champs can take them out by three, four touchdowns. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, can I don't. Tell me if I'm telling the, is y'all, can y'all tell me if I'm telling the facts or it's a fiction? If no I'm printer, just up. facts. No printer, just facts coming from Earl. And I, I mean, I'm glad you brought that oh. up because that was actually one of the topics of discussion we had for, for this show was this Thursday's game against the Cowboys. And the Buccaneers, and I mean, clearly Earl's got a strong opinion about it. JT, do you agree with him? Do you think that the Cowboys are in a place they should be doing well, and they're just severely underachieving? I want to see this. I mean, for me, it's simple. I mean, the fact that, and I just I want to throw this out as kind of like a reiteration to everybody, just just to remind ourselves as to what the NFC East. Uh, has come to. Ooh, this is a division where every year, like in the past, in the past, not I don't want because I don't want Earl going off on me. <laughs> my thing is, <laughs> my thing is, my thing is over the past couple of years, before the uh, the past seasons and everything like that, you always had, you know, the NFC East was always like one of the most entertaining divisions, if you will. Because you didn't know who was going to win. It was always a Philadelphia, a Dallas, a Giants, it's a Redskins. It's, you always had something like that. But this division has come down to 
who can win. And and I never thought I'd say this in all the years I think I've called of doing football. It took six wins to make the playoffs. <laughs> and all, and I want to point something out. All the ninety percent of those wins came towards the end of the year. Oh. Yeah. This was a, this was a division that again and was built on like Lawrence Taylor or you throw in um let's go oh you throw in Brian Dawkins you throw in the Sean Taylors Troy There's, Aikman yeah Troy Aikman Emmett Michael Smith Irving. yeah Michael Irving exactly you list off some of the great names in this sport that have come from the New York or from the NFC East and then it barely took six wins to make it so for me here's my thing with this game and it's actually very simple oh you look at Brady's past look at each year that he's won a Super Bowl and then look at the first game of the season the last year I'll go ahead I'll take it back Jake this might give us some repressed memories Back when he won the 2019 Super Bowl, or actually 2017 Super Bowl, I believe it was. His first game of the season was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a top five defense. He went, Pittsburgh went into Foxborough and got absolutely, and I'm not ashamed to say it, it got absolutely blown out 33-3 to on the first game of the season. Oh, my God. <laughs> The thing is, here's the thing with that. Brady is is probably the best quarterback when it comes down to first game of the season slash first game impressions. You put him under a spotlight after winning a a championship, he's going to thrive. And what does he have? He's in Tampa Bay defending a championship that hasn't been won since I believe, when was the last Super Bowl for the Bucks? Two thousand one. Um, if I if I remember this for you, um, JT, the last time that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had won an actual Super Bowl title was in two thousand two, when they actually blown out the Oakland Raiders forty five to twenty one. Exactly. It was, it was so, 02. Exactly. So, in other words, point so proven. Uh huh. If you don't mind. He's just finishing this out. Oh, pretty much, you get a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2002. Ooh, it is 2021. That is nearly 20 years ago. Oh, yep. 19 to be specific. And you get probably, and it kills me to say this, you get probably the best quarterback of all time under prime time lights. Like, this game is going to be on, on NBC as tradition. In uh-huh. first game is in, and again the thing is simple. Brady doesn't lose after or winning a championship, and you can bet that fans are going to be back in the stands, and and emotions will be high. I it's but simple. One way or simple. another, it, but one way or another, the Cowboys have no shot. Absolutely. Hey, oh, hands, no. There was never no way that the Dallas Cowboys don't end up have a shot, and I can tell you why. Like I said once before, if y'all remember last season, if y'all remember last season before Dak Prescott got hurt, which it, I felt bad at the certainty point, in all fairness, what I end up remember was for one, offense, who ended up scoring 35 points a game. But your but your petulant defense was end up was giving away 40 points like you was giving away a box of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> how and I'm saying, how do you end up initially give away how you score 35 points a game as an offense? But you damn sure end up your secondary and your defense was end up with giving away forty five a game. In all fairness, just like Jake and they'll say, the Cowboys literally don't have no shot. In all fairness, they literally don't have no shot at anything. Because, like I say, 
without Zach Martin, without Tyrod Smith, and without Lavelle Collins and all this other stuff, there's going to be a point. Dallas is going to have to come up with a certain strategy right now. Just like my prediction right now. And I'm going to make a prediction before Thursday's game even comes up. Before the Thursday game prediction, I'm saying to y'all this, and I might say this right now. I believe the Buccaneers will beat the Cowboys by three possessions. That is because more than reasonable. <laughs> it's very more than 100%. It's I, I, very, it's the, very uh, right. I was going to say, the line is eight points. Eight it's in favor points? of the Bucks. It's an eight-point line in favor of the Bucks. And the, uh, what's called, the over-under is 52. Ooh. The over, let me see, the eight-point line, that means Tampa is eight-point favorites. The yep. over on the line is a 52. That means total points will be 52 points scored. Oh. So. That will means I think that will means Tampa will probably much end up pretty much will put up forty on on Dallas and Tampa and Dallas probably gonna end up come up with at least ten points if that's how I would look at it because if you said the over and under is fifty two points will be scored forty two of those points is end up gonna be Tampa because right now I believe that their defense is going to annihilate Dak Prescott. Because if you look at the Cowboys' schedule, if you look at the Cowboys' schedule this year, despite that they got to play the Buccaneers, you got to go to L.A. to face the Chargers and come back around in week three to end up to face your division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, on a Monday night game, which that's going to be your first Monday night game of the year. Now, Jake, JT, tell me what's wrong with that picture. Because if the Dallas Cowboys end up go 0-3, I don't think the Dallas Cowboys ain't going to come out the NFC East. Well, given how... Because now the NFC East is up for grabs. Only thing I can say for Dallas Cowboys fans, do not go 0-3. If you mess around and go 0-3 losing to Tampa... And if you mess around and even lose to a young L.A. Chargers team, and if you even dare, which I'm not a Cowboys fan on all levels, I'm a diehard Saints fan. If you even dare, if JT, Jake, God forbid, Mike McCartney will have to go. I'm sorry. I said I ain't meant to step on nobody's toes, but doggone it. Somebody had to do it. Because I'm going to say it like one motivational speaker and I said, Pippin ain't easy, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> that's the po- That's the first term. That's the first message. Pippin ain't easy. Somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Or there's another term. So, and there's the second term so that in says, how many licks does it take to get to a center of a sucker? Like, literally, what sense does that make? If Dallas messes around, go on three, are the Dallas Cowboys in trouble? Jake, JT, give me some pointers. Fire the heck up. I'm on hit. <laughs> you got to start from the top. I'm on hit. It. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I'll defer this one to Mark. So the bottom line is this. Let's jump back to the original question here because there's been some things I want to touch on which are always brought up fantastic points. First of all, we all know Dallas goes offense in the drafts. They never go defense. So they dug this hole themselves. Let's not forget that. The reason, way, and how you beat Tom Brady is you keep Tom Brady on the bench. That's how you beat a Tom Brady Bucks team. You need to have a great run game, and you need to have a stout defense. Dallas has neither. Let's let's get that right. Granted, you do have a half-decent second back at Tony Pollard who is coming into his own. But if, if you take a look at what Dallas is coming into this game, there is no way that they are set up to win this game in the way you need to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their, their game plan is wrong. They are not going to be able to play to their strength. Buccaneers are going to have this game easy. If you bring up the schedule, which was an excellent point, Three games in, and you're asking for Dallas to fire their head coach already? How many years did it take them to fire Jason Garrett? 
I mean, he was here years upon years, and and you're already calling three games into the to the season after a 0-3 start to get rid of Mike McCarthy. Granted, who didn't win a Super Bowl in Jerry World with the Packers with that bad man in there in the at the number 12 quarterback position. I don't think they would be so easy to get rid of Mike McCarthy. I would be more inclined to say that they're going to keep him around, especially with the inconsistency that they've been having over the past two years. You've had COVID. You've had multiple quarterback changes. You've had multiple changes of positions. There's been nothing consistent about the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones has been more often than not, especially with his coaching staff and all that, playing it safe rather than being aggressive and looking for new new, new turnover and new players to start in for the coaching positions. I really don't think if it, it's an 0-3 start this year, I still think Mike McCarthy is going to be there going throughout the entire year, no matter how bad their start gets off. Okay. I want to piggyback off that if I can real quick. And going on to the schedule, my thing is this. I think an 0-2 start is reasonable. I, I seriously do. I think it's a reasonable start. All right, because let's be realistic. The Bucks are the Bucks. Chargers are on the uprise, and the Chargers honestly are going to be a dark horse to win or to make a wild card spot. My thing is this: is you after that, your next road game comes in Week Six against the Pats in Foxborough. Oh lord! The the next three games that you would have after that Chargers game are the Eagles at home, the Panthers at home, and the Giants at home. The Eagles at home should is going to be a shootout. Everybody knows that. It, it always is. Is whenever you get two NFC East teams on the marker for what you're going to be seeing, it's always a shootout. Panthers, I'll say it right now, oh, that team is completely revitalized, completely revamped, and especially with Sam Darnold going to be starting behind center. So for me, that game could easily be – Depending on how the Panthers have been playing throughout the rest of the season, that could be a loss. And then the Giants and Cowboys, again, same thing, but that's a game that they should win. And, and again, the thing is, Mike McCarthy's not, everybody's acting like Matt, Mike McCarthy's a bad coach. Coach. Unfortunately for Mike McCarthy, it's one of those situations where he's not necessarily the one to blame because everybody's seen Mike McCarthy's strategies and everything like that. They work. The problem is, the problem will be the team, to be straight honest with you. So, pretty much, uh, and it, it, does it come down to an offensive standpoint? Absolutely. Does it come down to a defensive thing? Absolutely. In the end, it comes down to a management thing. And if you think that the same three things work, or, you know, your same three things, your same offense works, your same defense works, and the special teams work, where you think you need to bring in a special team, Teams, or you need to bring in something to fix that, at, or a different coach. Coach won't be the problem. People just start figuring out the quarterback tendencies, the running back tendencies, and the defensive tendencies. Even special team. I mean, people start to realize. I, I mean, for example, they brought in Greg this Zerlin. Is what I say. This is why I've been saying. This is why I've been saying for most majority of the time. Majority of the timing was the freaking defense of the Cowboys. This is what ticked me off last year with them. I kept saying over and over so many times, do not screw up these certain games. Do not screw this up against Cleveland. Do not screw this up against Buffalo. Do not screw this up against the Minnesota Vikings. I said this over and over and over again. And I told people, I told them, if y'all back up Dallas like this, they better not screw up those games like that. Because I could go back to their schedule of what games that they blow away. Because if I go into that schedule, God forbid, literally, because if I could go back right now, JT, Jake, Mark, I, tell me if this is facts or fiction again. And y'all could go one by one or two by two. It doesn't matter to me. How y'all can explain this? 
like I said once before, the first game I said, do not blow this game against the Rams. That third game, do not blow this against Seattle. Do not blow this against Cleveland. Do not blow this against Arizona. Washington, which in that game ended up initially ticked me off. All you initially did was score three points. You went all the way to D.C. to end up to score three points. What kind of obliteration was that? I understand that Dak Prescott was hurt and every doggone thing else and all the other situation, but you end up had a you end up had Gilbert and this other quarterback named Ben DiNucci, who end up is literally throwing footballs like he can end up initially initially can end up can play baseball. What? Oh Lord Jesus. Who the hell Ben DiNucci is trying to beat? He ain't doggone Patrick Mahomes trying to sling footballs like baseball. This ain't baseball. I'll tell you one thing. He comes from a high school that literally thinks that every student they produce is the next, you know, the second coming of Brett Favre or some other star athlete. I, I live near there, and that's all people talk about, especially in the conference they're in. So it doesn't surprise me that everybody held him to a high standard. But either way, I think it's in consensus here because we got to keep going with the show. We've already spent 40 minutes talking about this. We got still a few more things to do. Uh, but the consensus here is that the Cowboys have no shot against Tampa Bay. And thank you. They need to set the tone with a win, at least in the opening few weeks, if they even want to stay relevant in any kind of playoff talk. Earl, do you have any other questions for us before we continue? Um, as most people in the fantasy and everything else, I will say to most people, if you see what's more value, more valuable to your fantasy team, Go on with it. Stick to that plan right then and there. And if you see to that point where that value and the goals into the termination, use that termination as a dominant force right then and there. Because with that dominant force and everything else, it will enough help you lead you to that rock. And aspects and everything else, because Trying to get these typical superstars and everything else, it's not always. It's like they said, you know how they said, everything glitters ain't gold. The grass ain't always going to be greener on the other side. Exactly. That's what I, that's all I can end up to give. And we appreciate it. We appreciate your insight. We appreciate all the questions you've been asking us, Earl. It's been great talking with you, and we thank you so much uh, for joining us here on Inside the Three. And we hope that you'll uh, stick around in future episodes, and we can talk to you again. Oh, and before and before I end up initially end up go all, if anybody wants to end up actually end up hear me out for anything for as far as the NFL, from the NFL and the NBA and everything else. Please and uh, look for me on Anchor FM on Anchor FM forward slash Earl Dash Rocks on all platforms and everything else. If you want to end up jump onto my actual podcasting show, that's where you will look for me on all levels. And we will definitely uh, keep. We'll be searching you up here, Earl, in the coming days. And again, we hope to look forward to working with you a little bit more. But once again, thanks so much for joining us here on Inside the Three. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. Earl Brock's, every, ladies and gentlemen. 40-minute conversation, span fantasy, talking Cowboys and NFC least, and pretty much a lot of other things that are going on. I want to thank Earl for his time. But, guys, we're coming up on 15 minutes of recording right now, so we got a few more games we want to talk about because week one starts Thursday. We already previewed Dallas and Tampa Bay, and the consensus is that Tampa Bay, or Tampa Bay is going to absolutely steamroll the Cowboys. Sunday game. Browns Chiefs. This is going to be a big one because the Browns coming off a surprising playoff win against the Steelers. And I say surprising not because of homerism, but I mean, they played their hearts out. Then they played their hearts out the next round, but ultimately got uh, bounced. But the Chiefs, they return a big, a big part of their squad. Let's do rapid fire predictions. JT, Mark, we'll start with you. Who's taking this one? I'll take this one to kick off. Why not? 
Uh, yeah, AFC Championship rematch. Um, big difference. No Chad Henney. Big difference. And, and throwing the fact that this is there, there are two things I want to throw out. One, uh, Kansas City's back for redemption. Everybody knows that. It's obvious. Is Kansas City is going to be the team to absolutely mess with this season. And and for me, in terms of the AFC, Jake, I agree with you that that AFC uh, wild card game was completely entertaining to say the least. I mean, and adding the fact that the Browns won in uh, Pittsburgh, no less, but they didn't win in uh, Arrowhead. And in terms of picking this game, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. Ice, if they couldn't get done against Chad Henney, what the hell is going to be the difference for them getting it done against Patrick freaking Mahomes? So for me, this one's simple. I got to go with the, the Chiefs because you, you don't go to the Super Bowl and then lose and then end on a bad note unless you're the Los Angeles Rams. But for me, it's simple. Well, Browns or Browns get it steamrolled in this one. I think they keep it close during uh what's it called during the first half, but second half rolls around. It, it it's game over. Mark. Fair enough, Mark. I I disagree with this. And and listen, if we jump back to last year, if Cleveland would have done one thing against Kansas City, and that's run the darn ball, you had the two best back tandem in the league, and you get into the playoffs, you face Kansas City, you need to keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. What do you do? You run the football. They did not do that. They tried to air airball it out against Kansas City. That was their biggest mistake. If Cleveland runs the ball and they play to their strength in the running game and then build a passing game off that, Cleveland has the formula for success against the Kansas City Chiefs. If they can do that, they will walk away this weekend with a win coming out of Arrowhead Stadium. Ah. Yes, I get to play difference maker. I love it. I miss it. I'm so glad it's back. Well, JT, I'd love to agree with you, but I can't. I look at this Cleveland Browns defense. It's It says what ESPN writers call juggernaut, and I agree. They are unstoppable. The only thing that I think could possibly prevent them is if Baker Mayfield crumbles. And there's a, there is a high chance of that happening, but Mark said it. They got two of the best running backs in the league, one of them being a kicker. Um, but their defense, <laughs> their defense has only gone up over the offseason. And they continue to add what they already have. And if they show any sort of dominance like they did at the end of last season, it's going to be promising for them. So I'm going to go with the Browns against the Chiefs. Two to one there. Next one. And we got to keep this rapid fire. Uh, let's go with Chargers at Washington football team, another NFC lease team that we talked about. JT, rapid fire. Chargers, Washington, go. Washington. And I, I love Justin Herbert. I think he's going to do something special. I think the Chargers will be something special this season. But I don't think the Chargers, they got back-to-back NFC lease teams. They got uh, Cowboys next week, Washington this week. Honestly, I think they're going to get a win against one of those teams. I don't think it's Washington. I don't think it's Washington. So I got to go ahead. I'm going with Washington. That defense is, yeah, that defense is going to be something scary this year. And a Bulls whole season with them finally clicking together and being healthy, I, I honestly say watch out. Mark? I don't agree with that. See, here's what I got to go. I'm taking the L.A. Chargers. I always call them the San Diego Chargers again. Listen, Justin Herbert is a lot better overall ranking than Fitzpat or not Fitzpatrick, excuse me. It's tragic. Yeah, not Fitzpatrick. Uh, we all know who we're talking about here, Kaepernick. But seriously, both the Chargers and Washington were 1-2 and two in the preseason this year. If you're going to look at anything, look for the Chargers. They always come out early. Early last year, they were hanging with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they had to go to overtime for the Chiefs to beat the Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers in this road win upset over Washington. I can't go against Washington. I stuck with them last year, and I'm going to stick with them again this year. Give me the Washington football team over the LA Chargers. There, it's going to keep, it's going to be a close one, and I think LA is going to show a lot of good things, but at the same time. Washington's going to walk out victors. Sunday Night Football, Bears, Rams. JT, who you got? Uh, this one I'm honestly going to say like this. I don't even think this should be the Sunday Night matchup. There are, there are plenty of other matchups that definitely should be, but unfortunately this is one of those games where we all have to call simply because of the fact that it's a Sunday Night game. Uh, I'm going with the Rams. That, that defense absolutely runs over. The fact that Justin Fields isn't starting is a little bit disrespectful on my end. And I think that, honestly, if you had the choice between 
the court, the current quarterback situation. And I think you get Justin Fields as your starter, but nope, they're going to go ahead. And, and I believe it's the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton, who will be getting the start on Sunday night football. So with that mistake alone, I'm going to go ahead. I'll give a little bit of a spoiler. I think the Rams get about four sacks on Dalton. Mark? I, I don't agree with you, and it's just for a night for not agreeing. In preseason, the Rams lost to the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Denver Broncos. Da Bears are going to walk away with a win this weekend. Fantasy Wires check it. Allen Robinson is going to have an explosive weekend this weekend against the Rams. Even with the addition of Sonny Michelle there coming from over for the New England Patriots, Matthew Stafford coming in as well. The Bears with the new red rifle, Allen Robinson in his prime, are walking away with a win in this game. Yeah, if Andy Dalton can throw Allen Robinson the ball. <laughs> I'm going to break the piece here. I'm going to say the Rams win. Matthew Stafford, I think in a new environment, I think he's going to look solid. Uh, Sony Michelle, he's got a lot of potential, and I think with the Patriots and them not really sticking with one running back, he's had a lot of potential to build up, but he just hasn't showcased it yet. And with that receiver core, I think their connection with um, Stafford, I think, is going to be fine. And I'm going to make a few predictions. Stafford throws over 250 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Donald, two sacks on the night because Andy Dalton sucks as a quarterback. Monday Night Football, Ravens. Raiders, first game at Allegiant Stadium with fans, probably in masks, but they're still going to be decked out in their Raiders gear. JT, who you got first Monday Night Football? You know what? I never thought I would say this. This is going to shock a lot of people. Oh, because last year I was I was heavy against the Raiders. This year I'm not. Or this year I'm not going to be. Well, with this pick, I'm going with the Raiders. There's something that's telling me like, here's my thing. First of all, I want to point out an interesting fact. This is the first game. Actually, Jake, you brought it up. This is the first game for the Raiders in Allegiant Stadium in front of fans. First game in front of the new black hole. Oh, personally, was at Allegiant Stadium. Beautiful stadium, by the way. Hey, gorgeous, seriously. My thing is this. Is you want to break in the new stadium with fans? You do it by beating probably one of the best teams in the AFC. He more or less probably from the toughest division. My thing is this. Is Raiders are revamped. Josh Jacobs looks ready. Darren Waller has proven himself as a top three tight end in the NFL. For me, it's very simple. Oh, if Derek Carr can actually get out of his head and actually play like the Derek Carr we all know and expect, the Raiders should win this one no problem, especially if they can find a way to neutralize the running game Game. And by running game, I do mean that four running back set of of now Le'Veon Bell, Mark, or uh, what's it called? Oh, Mark Andrews, or not Mark Andrews. Pretty much with also the option of uh, Lamar Jackson in there, the uh, extra running back on the field. So, oh, something put, I'm going with the Raiders in this one in an upset. Mark? This is going overtime, and we're still not going to have a winner in overtime. My prediction for this game, this game is going to end in a tie draw. There's going to be no winners. Look at this. you got a new stadium. you got Baltimore on the road. You have a new team, Baltimore, out there. They're adjusting everything. You have new pieces coming in. You still have some consistency. I don't see a winner coming out of this one, and I think out of all the games that are playing this weekend, this is going to be the one where you can see overtime and a tie as the final result. Jake? That's an interesting take. I will say there is a, a winner in this game, and I think it's going to be the Raiders. I don't think it's as upsetting as some people think it out to be, including JT, but they're, they're not that complete team just yet. But, I mean, come on. The Ravens thought that they could slap together their offensive line and make it better with David, or excuse me, Alejandro Villanueva. No. That, <laughs> get out of here. And you're, when your passing game isn't established yet, you ain't going anywhere. Ravens are terrible. They think signing Le'Veon Bell is going to be the, the answer to their solution at tailback. It's not. He's a washed-up, terrible rapper who does nothing by, in the backfield. Give me the Raiders all the way. They look stronger in this game, and I think that home cooking is going to be on their side just a little bit. The Raiders are going to uh, welcome in Allegiant Stadium with a fat dub. But 
with that being said, that takes care of our week one predictions. Gentlemen, football is back, and I'm so happy to see it. We got college football on Saturday, and we'll have a college football show for you later this week here on IT3. This was our week one predictions for the NFL season, which kicks off on Sunday. No matter what team you're a fan of or an enemy of, you know this is going to be a very eventful week. Fantasy owners, best of luck to you, except Mark, because I play him this week, and Presley Harvin, I think, is going to be that extra luck charm for me, obviously, and we'll see how it goes. We'll be back next time in just a week with more NFL news. We'll be back later this week with our NCAA show for this week. Lots of good predictions coming up. For JT and Mark on the opposite side, I've been Jake, and you have just been inside the three with us.